everyone, my name is Lauren Steinberg. I am the founder of Queen V and the global brand marketing director of Queen V. And what I love about Beauty is that it is an investment in yourself. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. and welcome to Beauty is Your Business. Today, we are buzzing about awakening a category. I'm Denise Dente, your co-host for today, here with Jessica. Boy, I feel like we've seen a lot of each other lately. We have. It's fun to see trade show season kick off again. We've been on the road a bit, just at different events that are happening in the beauty, health, and wellness space. So today's guest is such a perfect add-in into what we've been seeing in the marketplace already in 2023, and especially with beauty and wellness diverging together. I know. And it is funny that we're talking about a trade show because that is where we first met Lauren was at a trade show, Cosmoprof Las Vegas. So super fun to have you on the show and talking about Queen V where it is today versus where it was when we met you. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to be reconnected. I think I said this to you guys, it just feels very full circle to be talking again. It really does. We opened this by talking about awakening a category. And, you know, it's so hard not to use the word disruptor at this point. It has a tendency to get overused a little bit. So I chose to use awakening a category because that really is what you did is you took a category and really shook it up. So I think it'd be fun for our listeners to really know, you know, how you started and the genesis of Queen V. Because I know when we met you, you were on a rocket ship ride and just so impressed with everything you've done. So take us through how you started the brand. Thank you. Yes. So I always say I've been around vaginas my entire life, not only because I'm a female, but because my dad is a gynecologist as well. So for me, growing up, vaginas were just something that was always talked about. And as I got older, I started to get infections down there. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I'd call my mom and be like, mom, like, this is what's going on. Can you ask dad, but don't say it's me. Just like literally the most awkward thing ever. And so finally, I went to the gynecologist who asked me questions like, are you using soap down there? I'm like, of course I'm using soap. How else am I supposed to stay clean? He's like, oh, well, soap has a pH of 3.8. Just like crazy things. He's like, are you taking a probiotic? I'm like, I don't really know what a probiotic is. So I basically just became really frustrated with the lack of education in the space, started to talk to my friends, do some research, realized that I actually wasn't alone. So three in every four women will get a yeast infection at least once in their life. And 25% of infections that women get are UTIs. And I found this to be totally crazy because I thought I was the only one going through this. And this was back in like 2016 before vaginas were trendy. I hate to say that they're trendy, but I feel like everyone's talking about vaginas now. And so my next step was going to the drugstore to go buy products that would cure me of my infection. And when I got there, I just quickly realized the entire aisle was so confusing and embarrassing. I was so mortified to be there. I ended up buying a ton of products, went home, tried them all, and nothing worked for me. And that was really when the idea for Queen V was born. 
So walk us through, because what I think is really interesting with Queen V is you've got great product that obviously comes from scientific research and understanding the category, but then you've also done it, like you were saying, in a way that feels approachable. You've got bright colors and even your names are fun. So walk us through that marketing spot of, you know, look, I know this category needs to be looked at closer. How did you decide that target audience and what it was going to take to get them to not feel embarrassed or not feel like none of this was for me as they walked down that aisle. I think it's so funny because now I'm working on the corporate side where all we do is talk about the consumer and the psychographics of the consumer and everything like this. And to be totally honest, when I started Queen B, none of that went through my head. It was just me as like a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, what products do I need and what products would my friends use as well? So to be totally honest, there wasn't like a ton of thinking behind who was my consumer, but I knew that from shopping the shelf, I wanted products that spoke to me, products that you know would look good in my bathroom that I wouldn't be embarrassed to have on the shelf. And products that just felt empowering, right? And so at the time, I remember walking through Sephora and there were tons of skincare brands. And I remember seeing Drunk Elephant and I was like, that stands out on the shelf. I want my products to stand out. And so, yeah, so that was kind of where the fun colors came from. And then the name Queen V itself and the fun names for all of the products my friends say that I think in tweets and hashtags and puns, <laughs> for me, it was just, you know, all of the copy was written by me. It's all kind of just a reflection of me and then my friend group as well. That's amazing. And it takes so much courage, so much courage. It is kind of funny. You didn't have the courage to talk to your dad about the uh, very topic, but you took on a whole entire industry. <laughs> Yeah, it is really funny. And also, like, I look back on when I first started the brand, and it does take so much courage. And I don't think at the time, I knew how much work would have to be put in and how many no's I would get. And I think I just, it's funny, I remember when I was interviewing for jobs right out of college, I got turned away from so many jobs because they said, Oh, you're too green for this position. I didn't even know what being green meant. And then with Queen V, it actually turned out to be such a good thing that I was so green and naive because had I known, I think, what this journey would have been, I think I would have been way more nervous and even like pitching Walmart at that age, like I would have been so nervous and going in, I was not nervous at all. Okay. So you're getting started. You know, you thankfully have kind of the blessing of not knowing how scary it is, right? So you've got a little bit extra confidence in that way. Walk us through those early days. Did you start strictly D2C? I know you were saying it was late 2015's area. So was it strictly D2C? Did you start immediately looking at retailers? How did you start to think about getting your product into the market? Yeah, so I think I started thinking about Queen V, I think it was like 2017, which is crazy to think about because it's now 2023. I'm like feeling old. But the first step, I think for me was just gaining the confidence to talk to my friends about this. Like, I was really nervous to even say to my friends, hey, I think I'm going to start a company. Just because once you say it, like you kind of have to do it, in my opinion. And so I started to talk to my friends. And the second I started to bring up these issues, everyone was like, oh my God, I've actually gone through this. Oh my God, I've gone through this. Oh, like it became this like truth dump. And I was like, wow, like, okay, so this really is a problem that multiple people have, not just myself. And so I knew I had a good idea there. And then when it came time for the products, I just kept a journal 
And I would write down just ideas for products that I wish I had had. I mean, the number one product for me was every Sunday, I like love to take bubble baths. It was like my self-care ritual. And every time I took a bath, I would just end up with like horrible irritation, probably from the bubble bath I was using. So I wrote down pH balance bubble bath, you know, going back to my story, I was using soap down there. I couldn't understand why, you know, soap just wasn't supposed to be used. And so I wrote down pH balance cleansing bar for vulva. So it was kind of just like a creative brainstorm, honestly, at first. And then after you go through this brainstorming process, you actually have to get packaging and go into production and all of those things for the execution. Because I think there's almost no shortage of good ideas out there, but there is a big difference between idea and execution. So where did you start? Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier before, like, did I launch D2C first or retail first? Honestly, like, I think at the time everyone was launching D2C first. It wasn't even like a conscious decision. I had just got this amazing introduction to Walmart and it kind of just went from there. But from the product standpoint, I finally, you know, got the courage to talk to my dad about these kind of issues. And when I talked to him about it, it was great. Like, you know, he came at it from a very calm, doctor approach, like very non-judgmental at all. Um, And I just asked him so many questions about formulations and does this ingredient need to be in here? Or if it does, is there a better for you ingredient that I can use? And kind of just picked my dad's brain. So thank you, dad. And then when it came time for packaging, I went back to, you know, the story of walking through Sephora and I said, who did drunk elephants packaging? Like that is what I want. And so I ended up doing a lot of Google stalking and tracked down the manufacturer of the packaging who we actually bonded over, Rod Valencia. And I called him and I just said like, hi, I'm Lauren. I'm starting this vagina company and I'm obsessed with your packaging. Would you be willing to help me? And he took such a huge chance on me. And that was kind of how it was with the manufacturers too. Just tons of Googling. I think I used a website called ThomasNet, got hung up on almost every single time. But when someone did answer... And they saw the vision, you know, those were manufacturers that to this day, I still work with some of them, which is crazy. So it's all about relationships. Well, and I love because we always, you know, we get a lot of times the questions like, you know, what advice would you give to startups? How do you go about finding the right people in the industry? And I love this nugget of one, go into the marketplace and look around and see what you like, and then go find who's making what it is that you like. And honestly, even that step just it gives people something to go do, even if they're sitting at their desk, even if they're in front of their computer, you can go research and then start making phone calls and figure out, hey, these guys look great on shelf. How do I get them to pick up my phone and and to work with me? And I think that is um, one, it's true entrepreneurism, but I really enjoy that it's something anybody can do when they're trying to get started with their with their product line. Yeah. And to be totally honest, I think back in 2017, when I was doing this, it was a little bit easier because there wasn't so much competition. Like now there's so many brands and so many people are kind of, you know, have the same brand look and feel. But at the time, like feminine hygiene, intimate wellness kind of category was all just these like florals and pastels and everyone telling you that your vagina is a flower. And I knew that that just was not something that I felt. Well, look, you shouldn't discount yourself from a competition standpoint because, you know, at the time when you launched, the category was not what it is today. 
the awareness was not. And you were competing against legacy brands. So when you stepped into this arena, it was legacy that was sitting on those shelves as an option with big budgets and big dollars. Again, it's so crazy to kind of look back at the whole experience. And I don't want to contribute all of it to luck because I do think at the time, you know, working with Walmart, they were so supportive of the brand and really wanted to have, you know, products on shelves made by women for women or made by people with vaginas for all people with vaginas. And so, yeah, I think it was like a little bit of right place, right time, right brand world, right products and right founder to give myself a little bit of credit. Absolutely. You should take a ton of credit. This is never based on luck. There are some times, right, where in the world where you fortunately come across the right connection at the right time, but most of this is really hard work and definitely give yourself the credit. I want to circle back to the comments you were making about competition, because even on the podcast, we've already had a couple of female wellness brands and And what I'm interested in is obviously you come into this space, like you were saying, and Denise was saying, you know, more legacy brands and older kind of established brand in the space, you come in and now you're seeing more competition. Are you in this space? Are you seeing because it's becoming more that you're able to have these conversations, manufacturers or vendors, or even customers are able to really understand better because there's more competition? Is it helping or are you seeing it as, okay, we still have a lot of work to do to get out there and really get people to understand the category? Yeah. I mean, I have like mixed feelings about competitors because I really, from my early days, learned to just stay in my lane and like not focus on what everyone else is doing. But at the same time, I love that there's competitors in the space because the more people talking about intimate wellness and vaginal health, kind of the less stigmatized it all becomes. So it's definitely like kind of like a weird thing in my head. I think that we definitely have a very, very long way to go. And I am thankful that, you know, there's tons of new innovation out there because people with vaginas deserve options. What I will say I'm the most proud of is Reckitt has since acquired Queen V. And when we kind of relaunched our products, I think for a long time, the standard in the feminine hygiene category, and even the word like feminine hygiene, right, is like so outdated. Um, exactly. Well, we call it intimate wellness, but just for people at home to know what I'm referring to, the standard for so long has been pH balance, right? Like everything is pH balanced. And so what was incredible with Reckitt is that we have an entire science platform team out there who is really researching the microbiome, which I feel like takes the science a step further. So we know that not all people with vaginas have the same microbiome, and therefore Queen Bee products, not only are they pH balanced, but they're also microbiome friendly with a V. We coined that term because there's so many different microbiomes, right? Like you're seeing it with like kombucha, with gut health and then skincare. I feel like the microbiome is being talked about a ton. And then when it comes to vaginal and vulva, those have microbiomes as well. And so in order to kind of differentiate, we've called it the microbiome. Okay. Well, you just glossed over something. You just glossed (laughs) over the fact that you sold your brand to a major, major player. You just sort of glossed over that. And oh, by the way, and I'm not going to let you uh, gloss over that one. Let's take a step back. I know that our listeners are going to want to know, okay, hold on. You opened Walmart. That was a big one. And then you, you were, you know, living the dream and 
really, you know, leaned into this idea of, you know, taking your company to a different level and finding a partner to help you do that. So let's go back and dive into that a little. I mean, I think we said it's not luck, but I will say I'm from LA. So I'm very, I guess, spiritual, I guess you could say. And so there was a lot of manifestation involved in Queen V as well, like really just seeing where I thought the brand would be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. And so with Walmart, I basically promised the buyer that Queen V would bring in a new incremental shopper to the category that hadn't traditionally shopped the category. So when we're talking about, you know, the older players, we weren't taking away business from them at all. We were actually bringing in a new consumer that really excited our retail partner at the time. And so once we were able to get that data and like really prove that we were doing that, it became just really interesting. And a lot of retailers actually had reached out to us and said, hey, we saw you on the shelves at Walmart. Like, let's talk because it was kind of hard to miss the products because they are neon and it was like a block of like 11 products. And so we just quickly, that's exactly what it was. It was kind of like, it just all happened so quickly, right? Like I was on the road constantly pitching new retailers, launching new accounts. We even had the chance, which I definitely manifested this, to launch internationally with Sephora in South Korea with Queen Bee, which was such a huge deal because at the time you didn't see products that were in Walmart also in like a Sephora internationally. And so I have such a small team too. I look back, I don't look back enough, honestly, but I look back and it was just, it was a crazy few years. And then the pandemic hit (laughs) and that was, you know, for a small business, really hard to deal with. I had always had in the back of my mind, I wanted to sell the brand, but not so much for the money, more for like the learning experience, I guess. And I knew how to get the brand to, you know, X million dollars in sales, but I didn't know how to get it to a hundred million dollars in sales. That just, I was like 23. I had never launched a brand. I had never worked in CPG. And so I think in the back of my mind, it was always like, if there was someone that had approached me that understood the vision for the brand, had kind of the same values and morals that I did and like wanted to take the brand global so that it became more accessible to everyone that was kind of what I was looking for. And so I was lucky enough during the pandemic to be approached by the company Reckit, who owns KY and Durex condoms. And the first condoms I ever bought were Durex condoms. And I still have the pack because I never ended up using any of them. Not because I wasn't having safe sex. I just, I think like maybe I wasn't having sex or like my friends were giving me condoms. I don't know. And so that kind of felt a little bit spiritual to me, right? Of like that full circle moment. And yeah, I spoke with their team and uh, it was just like, they had such a great female leader that saw a little bit of herself in me and they wanted me to come along for the ride, which I think was something that I didn't expect. And so I said, why not? I would be crazy not to do this. And so, yeah, they ended up acquiring the brand and brought me on as the global brand marketing director of Queen V. So I have a very corporate title, but I'm also still just Queen V's mom internally. And now I am running the brand under Rocket. You talked earlier about your dad, you know, you were kind of figuring out what your formulas were. You went and got advice from your dad and picked his brain. So here comes this big company. Like you said, you're in your early 20s and they're offering to purchase your brand. Did you have kind of a group of mentors or did you reach out to anybody to kind of help pass through 
what do I do? How do I manage this? Or did you take it all on yourself? I mean, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but like, not really. I didn't really have anyone in my life that I could talk to about this. And I also felt like it was, it was all very confidential too. So like, there were very few people I could talk to about it. My husband, Oliver Bogner, it's still weird saying husband, I got married like in October. So very recently. And I think we met Oliver. I think we met Oliver with you. For sure. Yeah, you for sure met Oliver. He has been with me every step of the way through oh. this entire process. And so I definitely leaned really heavily on him. He has like a great business sense. He's been working since he was 16 years old. And it was more just like a very personal decision of where do I want my career to go? Like I, at the time, I did not have it in me to kind of start another business from scratch. It's so hard to do and requires just so much time and energy. And I just felt like a little corporate stability was something I wanted through the pandemic and through, you know, getting married. And I just found out I'm pregnant. So like having a kid too. So it just felt like the right decision at the right time. And the fact that they wanted to bring me on and, you know, pay me a salary and have health benefits. I was like, this sounds like a dream. Honestly, I, what I love about this path too is there's so much to be learned in the corporate environment from the processes and how do you manage teams and how do you really grow and look, there's good and bads, but I love the fact that you looked at this as a, hey, this can be another learning opportunity, just like starting a brand and being an entrepreneur. I now have an opportunity to come in here. Yes, stability, but really, I think I can't imagine what you've probably already learned just by being there. And so that in itself, right, it's just, it adds more tools to your bucket. A hundred percent. I have learned so much. And I felt like starting my own business was kind of like getting like a business degree, like kind of like an MBA, honestly. And now that I'm in the corporate world, I am so, so thankful for my past experience. I think I would have like cried so many times in corporate had I not gone through everything I went through with starting my own business. Like now I'm like, nothing makes me cry. Like you can't say anything, do anything to upset me. But also the fact that I know a lot about everything in my business, if that makes sense. So if you want me to talk about innovation, no problem, packaging, no problem, cogs, margins, retail relationships. Like I can talk about everything. Whereas I feel like most people who have, and this is no offense to anyone who has been raised in a corporate culture. I have so much respect for people who rise up in the corporate world. But whereas in corporate, I feel like you're an expert in like one part of your business. And when I say expert, like you really know everything. Whereas for me, I know like a little bit about everything. Whereas, you know, like my main focus is more creative, but like, hey, if you want to talk a P&L, let's pull it up and I'm able to talk about that. I couldn't agree more about the fact that having both that discipline of corporate and being able to go deep into a subject and then having the broad subject matter expertise across every part of the business is a great recipe for success. One of the things that you said that we spend a lot of time talking about is I picked my lane. I found my lane and I stayed in it. And I know that right now people have a tendency to pick a lane, stay in it until it's not convenient, comfortable, or they just kind of keep moving back and forth based upon trend. They look over what a competitor is doing and they move in that direction. And finding that lane and sticking to it, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think for me, that's honestly still a learning process. Like when I refer to staying in my lane, it was more like 
just keep driving forward. Don't look at, you know, what the other cars on the road look like, what they're doing. Just keep doing what you're good at doing. And I think, you know, in the past, if I'm being honest again, like most of the decisions I made were based on kind of like my gut and my team's kind of thoughts because we were all the consumer at the time. And now in the corporate world, there's data and there's, so, like we know everything about our consumer and how they're shopping the category. I think what makes Queen V so unique is that we are really focused on like vaginas and vulvas, right? Like I think you've seen other brands in the space kind of try to go into maybe more broader personal care. Whereas for me, it was like a very intentional decision of like we own vaginas and vulvas. But like a good example of maybe it not always being best to kind of stay in your lane is for me, like sex toys, intimate devices, whatever you want to call them, were always something that people had brought up to me. And I was like, no, like, I don't think that this is right for us. And then it not, it's not a trend. I don't want to call it a trend because I just, I don't really think it's here to stay. But, you know, then you look at the market and see how big it is and see how important it is for people with vaginas to be able to explore themselves for the first time or, you know, make their sex lives better, whatever. And so then that was a decision that we actually made, you know, to pivot our strategy a little bit and actually, you know, our enjoy pillar maybe should include toys. So we launched launched our first intimate device in September, which had you met me, or I guess you guys did meet me like five years ago, but like, had you talked to me about this five years ago, I would have said absolutely not. Um, And so I think keeping an open mind is important too. Yeah, I think it's a really good piece of advice that you, what it sounds like from where you're explaining is while you see an opportunity in the marketplace that you can still do it in the queen v voice so it's about launching something or about creating that next area that your consumer is going to want and from the brand that they know and trust in the voice and with the education and so forth that you have so i can see i can definitely see how making the pivot makes a lot of sense and really then it just seems it's aligning with your brand to make sure that when you make those pivots, that the core of who you are is still there. And obviously with these, um, with your new toy that came out in September, that definitely is, it's there. You can see the Queen V vibe all over it. Exactly. I think that's a hundred percent right. And that's what it means to stay in your own lane too, right? So like you have your brand world, you have your consumer, you have your tone of voice. How do you launch a product that while there may be multiple of them in the marketplace, like how do you make it differentiated enough um, and something that feels uniquely Queen Bee? So I'm glad you think it does feel that way because that was very intentional. <laughs> you talked earlier, if I had known now or known then what I know now, you know, I may have done things differently. So we do have our listeners that are sitting out there that are saying, you know, oh my gosh, I would love to have this path for my brand. What are some of those nuggets of knowledge that you can pass along as a new young founder or a founder that is trying to follow a similar path to what you've done? Yeah, it's so hard because I wouldn't do anything to change my journey because it's so uniquely me and so uniquely Queen V. But if I were to launch a business again, right, I definitely would not have as many manufacturers as I had in the past. For me, when I was launching Queen V, I was like, oh, I need the best in class people who specialize in bubble bath, one who specializes in bar soap, one who specializes in lube, whereas I would probably try to consolidate that just from a logistical standpoint, it gets really, really complicated. Um, And this is going to sound so dumb, maybe, but, you know, at the time we had investor money, right? And so money, 
didn't really feel super real at the time. And like, it is important that your products are profitable, right? So like, look at your cost of goods from the get go. Say, you know, is there anything I can do to get the cost of goods down a little bit so that my margin is a little bit higher, right? Because retail margin, specifically when you're dealing with kind of more mass market, the margin doesn't need to be as high as when you have a D2C brand. So I think just take a breath, take a step back, think about it as a business. I know this sounds so silly, but again, when I started Queen V, it wasn't a, I knew it was a business, but it wasn't a business to me. It was kind of like a, a lifestyle. So yeah, like making money is important. I've learned that in corporate and especially. Those are great pieces of advice because we hear this too <laughs> with, especially when channels of distribution. So you started in one, you've got your cost of goods, you've done everything to make your product exactly how you want it. And maybe you've started in D to C and now you want to go to the retailer and you realize, oh my goodness, my costs, my margins don't support this. So if you can, from the get-go, think about one, what are all those costs? Are there any ways to get those down? And then two, what are the channels that I think I may go into and how do I price my product accordingly so that when I'm ready to enter them, I have the margin to give retailers or I have the margin to give a distributor and then a retail. Exactly. And if you want to sell your business one day, how do you make it you know, attractive to people who potentially are buyers at the table? I only know a little bit about the intimate hygiene business, but you know, they don't want to buy a brand that's not profitable, in my opinion. Well, I think that's the big shift that we've seen. Well, in the last few years, it felt like you could come in, you'd had, you got investor money, you could come in and not have profitability in the business and you would still have buyers. Now we are seeing a shift and they are looking for profitability. So I think it's really good advice, Lauren. So happy I can help someone because I didn't know that when I started. <laughs> well, it's so easy, right? You meet with these manufacturers and you get all excited about an individual product and we could add this and we could put this great packaging on it and we could do an outer box and you say yes, 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 yes to all of it. And more times than not, you might need to say no, like, no, I'd love to do that, but I can't. And that's where, you know, having that piece of paper and before you say, yes, I want that as much as you want it emotionally for the brand, you also have to put pencil to paper. Exactly. So we see that too with, you get so excited about building something that's great. And the next thing you know, it's cost prohibitive. So it's finding that fine line between, you know, building something that's amazing and a category disruptor, but doing it in a cost-effective way and, you know, editing and saying no sometimes. You know, if you're not going after the mass market, you're going after specialty or just D2C, like give the consumers what they want. Sure. People will, you know, pay more, but how much more are they willing to pay? You have to, you know, figure that out. That's exactly right. Lauren, this has been such a fantastic conversation. So fun. So fun. I've already learned a ton. If our listeners do want to reach out to you directly, how can they contact you? Yes. So you can reach me on my personal Instagram handle, which is at Lowstein. And then Queen Bee is at Queen Bee Life. And then if you guys are on TikTok, I also have a TikTok channel with my dad where we talk all about vaginal health. And that's at low underscore Stein. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to check that out. That sounds fun. <laughs> that does sound fun. Thank you, everyone. And if you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. We look forward to our next episode. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. 
Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.